Anybody feeling a little stressed out these days? A little bit? Well, probably so. I want to share with you, as I've been praying this week, a message entitled, Blessed, but a little stressed. Blessed, but a little stressed. And I tell you, we've been studying these last 25 weeks, almost a half a year, in this great book called Revelation. I know that you're getting it, and hopefully you're sharing it as well. And we're going to be looking this morning at another subject, blessed, but a little stressed. By the way, the word stress, by definition, is an emotional or mental strain caused by an adverse circumstance. Can I repeat that? Stress, by definition, is an emotional or mental strain caused by adverse circumstances. Question, are you a little stressed? I think there's a lot of people that are a little stressed these days. COVID-19 has certainly brought in its uh, stress along with it. I mean, who would have thought we'd be concerned about getting some kind of uh, deadly disease? In fact, I got a text message this week on Monday that our beloved church friends up the road, Trinity, has had to shut down for two weeks. We need to pray for Trinity and for my dear friend, Pastor Rick Jackson. Stress. Blessed, but a little stressed. How about the election? Has that caused you a little stress? I believe with all the commercials and all the inundation with telephone calls, it's created a little stress in probably most of us. How many of y'all voted? Let me see your hand. We've got a voter's guide in the uh, bulletin that uh, Sister Becky put in there. It doesn't endorse a candidate. However, it does let you know where each one stands. So I hope you'll be good salt and bright light in a dark world. Stress. I got a call yesterday from the mayor of uh, Social Circle. He's a dear friend. His name is David Keener. David said, Pastor Randy, please pray for my mama. She had a stroke and she's in rehab and really needs your prayers. I met his mom a couple of years ago, been going up to the nursing home and sharing the word of God for the last 15 years until this COVID-19 uh, came upon us. At any rate, uh, he asked for prayer stress. She's 90 years young. Did you hear about, speaking of stress, the couple in Colorado, 86-year-old and 84-year-old, who, in spite of the raging fires, they decided to stay at their house. They, according to the report I heard last night as I was here, uh, they hunkered down into their basement and the fire overtook them and both of them died arm in arm, been married over 70 years at the age of 84 and 86 years old. By the way, I've got two stepbrothers that live out there in Colorado near this fire, and they uh, indicated, uh, as we've been praying for them, Kenny and Billy and their wives, uh, as we heard news yesterday that it's raining, but not uh, raining rain or snow, but it's raining ashes where uh, they're, uh, according to Billy. And Kenny, well, Kenny. Anyway, we need to pray for those as well. Stress, stress. There's a lot of things going on today that are creating a lot of stress. Blessed, but stress. 
What we're going to do today is we're going to look at the Bible, and there are seven blessed beatitudes in the book of Revelation. I've preached on this before, but not the same message. God gave me another message today as we're looking at the subject, blessed, but a little stressed. By the way, before we open our Bibles and turn there, let me just define the word blessed. The word blessed is the word makarios in the Greek. It means happy. And in fact, both Thayer and Mounts and Strong's all interpret the word blessed as happy and furthermore as, watch this, I like this word, fortunate. How many of y'all believe we have been fortunate? Come on, talk to me. We've been blessed beyond measure, every one of us. In fact, we could close right there and just get on our knees and say, Lord, you sure been good to me. Blessed. But the truth is, we're a little stressed. So the first blessed beatitude is found in the book of Revelation chapter 1. Find your Bible, turn to Revelation, find verse 1. All of these references are in regards to the word blessed, makarios, happy, fortunate. We're blessed, but we're a little stressed. And here's where we're going in the message today. There, uh, we'll only have time to deal with four of these blessed beatitudes in the book of Revelation in regards to blessed but a little stressed. Are you happy in the Lord? That's what the word blessed means. If you're not happy today, it may be because you're not in a right relationship with God. And that's the greatest need you have today is to have your sins forgiven and to be in a fellowship relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're not there, then I would encourage you to get there. The Lord said he would forgive you and he'd forgive us. And he does and he'd restore us. And if you're not a Christian, that's the greatest need you have is to put your faith and trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ to turn from your sin. We call that repent and turn and trust in the sacrificial atoning death of the Son of God. Now, as we come to the book of Revelation chapter 1, we're going to look at four places where we've been blessed and what we ought to do about it. Four places we've been blessed and yet we're a little stressed and what we ought to do about it. Number one is this. Are you a little stressed... Watch this. Are you a little stressed over your family's distress? Your family's distress. We'll see that in a moment in Revelation 1 and 3. And uh, by the way, the word distress means, uh, family distress means pain or anxiety. You probably got some loved one on your heart today. And are you a little blessed but a little stressed over your family's distress? Number two, we'll see very clearly in the book of Revelation, chapter 14 and verse 13. Are you not only blessed, but a little stressed over the certainty of death? We'll find that in Revelation, chapter 14 and verse 13. Death is reality. Number three, are you stressed, but a little blessed? Are you blessed, but a little stressed, should I say, over the world's mess? We'll see that in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15. And then finally, number four, are you blessed but a little stressed even though Jesus Christ gives us rest? We'll see that in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14. Stand please as we read this first blessed beatitude found in the wonderful book called the book of Revelation. Blessed but a little stressed. Come on, let's get honest with God today. And I tell you, you don't have to leave stressed today. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 1, the revelation, the apocalypsis of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angelos, angel, unto his servant John, 
who bear witness, a record of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw. Notice verse 3. Blessed is he. Blessed. There it is. Macarius, happy or fortunate. Fortunate is he that readeth. And that word readeth means out loud, public. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy. The word prophecy is the word prophetai. And keep those things which are written therein. God's saying there's a special blessing for you today as we read the book of Revelation. Not only read it, but hear it. But more importantly, keep it. Keep reading. Blessed is he that readeth. And they, that's why I love the book of Revelation. God said there's a special blessing for us. Hallelujah. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy. John's writing what was, what is, and what is to come. And keep those things that are written therein. Notice the last part. For the time. Keros is the word time. For the time is at hand. It's present. The time is at hand. Father, again, we recognize we're nothing without you, but with you we have all things, and we can do all things. And so we pray now. I ask you for fresh cleansing in my heart, and I trust you now to accomplish your will. And as we hear the word and embrace the word and let the word of God find good lodging place in our heart that it might change us, transforming our mind, not our feelings, Lord, based on what we feel, but on faith that your word is true and you are the living word that became the written word, that becomes the preached word, that becomes the fleshed out word. So change me and change us, Father, and encourage us and be glorified. Thank you again for all you're doing. And we pray that uh, uh, you'll be high lifted up and the devil will be bound and the powers of evil, our God, by the blood of Jesus. And we thank you now for victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we all confess, I do, and I'm convinced I'm not the only one. Lord, you placed this message on my heart. We are blessed, fortunate, happy, and yet we're a little stressed, but we know what to do about it. So help us to come to you today and cast our burden on you and be changed and be refreshed, be renewed in our minds and invigorated and re revived in our spirits. Thank you now. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated. Number one, the first place we're looking today is this. Blessed, but a little stressed because of our family's distress. Did you know stress is the number one killer, according to medical documents? Stress, that's right. And so today, you say, well, I can deal with the stress. Oh, yeah, We're, men are like boat motors. We're meant to operate under the water, boat motor is. However, stress over a prolonged period of time can debilitate us physically. Stress, heart disease, strokes, high blood pressure, colitis, irritability, rheuma, rheumatism, and depression. Hey, depression, 
diabetes, migraines, hardening of the arteries, insomnia, fatigue, sex problems, skin diseases, allergies, overeating, asthma, kidney disorders, ulcers, breathing problems, increased smoking. I mean, stress really has a way of really working on us. And so the Lord doesn't want us to be overly stressed today. And therefore, you don't have to leave the same way you came in. Stressed, but blessed. Yes, we are blessed and number one, are you blessed but a little stressed over your family's distress? By the way, the word distress, again, I want to reiterate what I mentioned a moment ago. The word distress means it, it has to do with pain or anxiety. That's the literal definition of distress, pain or anxiety. Is there anybody here today that's a little stressed over the pain and anxiety that your family is facing? You are, aren't you? I knew you were. That's why the Lord put this on my heart. You're stressed over your family. We all have needs. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you don't and you're not a little concerned over your family, something's wrong. Or your friends, something's wrong. But wait a minute. You don't have to carry that stress around. How many know you can't change things necessarily? You can't change people. God can. And so you're a little stressed. Yeah, blessed, but over your family's distress. And I'm going to give you two words that God gave me as we continue this thought of blessed, but a little stressed. Number one is confess. <laughs> I must confess that I'm blessed, but I'm a little stressed over my family's condition. Anybody join me there? Probably most of us here, if the truth be known, if you think your family, everybody is all, boy, they're just right with God and walking in the light and everybody's blessed of God, I got news for you, you're wrong. There's probably people in your family that you know aren't right with the Lord and they're not ready to meet God. Many of them aren't saved. Many of your friends may not be saved. And therefore, it ought to concern us a little bit. Bless, but a little stress over the family distress. I confess that I, I really have a burden for not only my family, but for many people in Jasper County. We went out last Sunday afternoon knocking on doors and meeting people and telling them about the love of God. And so here's the deal. I'll talk in a moment about what we can do about it. I confess I'm stressed, a little stressed, over not only my family, but over many people and their relationship with God. The first word is confess. I must confess it. And you must confess it, that you're blessed, but a little stressed. But number two is not only confess, but what about the word best? I want what's best. Do you want what's best for your family? Come on, talk to me. That's why we're a little stressed. We know what God can do. We know what the Lord wants to do in the life of our family and our friends. And therefore, we confess we're a little stressed. You say, but I don't care. Well, that's not the right attitude. That's a nonchalant attitude. And God has called you and me to be intercessors. We're to stand in the gap, as Ezekiel 22:30 says. We're to confess our faults to one another, pray for one another. We might be healed. Effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's James 5:16. And Paul wrote in that great Ephesian letter, in, namely in the sixth chapter, verses 10 through 18, concerning the whole armor of God. And you know what he said as he concluded that putting on the whole armor of God? He said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. All supplication for all saints. I ought to pray for you today. You ought to pray for me. Are you praying for me? 
Are you praying for me? I'm praying for you. I had the privilege of praying for you early this morning. And I need your prayers too. You see, prayer is the cure to care. And so, yes, we confess we want what's best for our family. And you see, oftentimes they can't see what's best. Uh, for some reason or another, we all have blind spots. And therefore, we don't really see necessarily what's best. I had a man to call me from Florida last Friday, just a few days ago. He said, Brother Randy, my son's not in church. He said, I'm really burdened about it. This man's 67 years old. I met him some years ago. He's a Sunday school teacher at a church, and he called me out of the blue. I hadn't heard from him in a year, maybe two years. And he said, Brother Randy, God put you on my heart. And he said, I need you to pray with me, my son. I'm concerned about him. He's not serving God. Oh, yeah, he's got a form of godliness. I mean, you know, he's kind of hit and miss and that sort of thing. But he said, listen, he said, God is doing a work in my life. I said, really? Tell me about it. And he said, yeah, God has really brought me to the place where I used to hold back on God. Am I preaching to anybody right now? I said, am I preaching to anybody now that's holding back on God? Yeah, I am. I am. I am. I know I am because it's easy to hold back on God. We'll give God this and this, but we'll hold back some stuff away from God. And this man acknowledged he held some back from God. Is there anything you're holding back from God? Have you given him all the keys to your life? Have you given him your thought life? Have you given him your uh, family? Have you given him your future? Have you given him over your health? And uh, have you, have you, is there anything you're holding back from God? This man said, I confess to you, Brother Randy, uh, I've been, you know, I, I've known you for a number of years and, and so forth and so on. But he said, but through this COVID-19, he said, God is really doing a work in my heart. He said, I've never been as close to Jesus as I am now. And I said, well, why is it? He said this, because I've surrendered this area of my life that I held captive and nobody knew about it. I taught Sunday school and all this stuff and and I said, brother, that's just a picture of probably most every person in church today. We give God some things, but we don't really give him everything. Now, I know it's easy to say that, and a lot of us verbalize that, but when it comes to decisions every day and priorities every day and things that we put ahead of God every day, that's really the proof that we have not really surrendered uh, our total being to the Lord. Are you blessed but a little stressed over your family's uh, distress? And today, there are probably some of you that are saying, well, Pastor, what can I do? There are three thoughts, at least three, maybe four, that you can do. Number one, pray, pray continually. Pray regularly. Will you do that? Maybe today you hadn't prayed for them in a while. They need you to pray for them. They need somebody that will take them to the throne of grace. I love the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 15 and 16. I texted it to my friend, Keith McLeod. His wife, as I mentioned, just had surgery. They took part of her colon out. Uh, he's a dear friend. He's been here before. In fact, his wife is in her 50s, and uh, Brother Keith just celebrated his 25th year up at the church we were with him back in the summer, July, and preached revival, really for the last three years, preaching revival. And unexpectedly, she developed this problem, and, uh, and so I sent him this text message of Philippians, I'm sorry, book of Hebrews. I sent him that too, but anyway, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy, find grace to help in time of need. I love that verse. Don't you love that verse? Oh, that brings such comfort to my heart. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our 
weaknesses, but can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, tempted in all things like we, and yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. We might obtain mercy and find grace, watch this, to help in time of need. I'll tell you what, when you're in need, and you know that God invites you to his throne, it's such a privilege. Oh, thank God for the blood of Jesus. So what can we do? Pray regularly, number one. Number two, love unconditionally. It's easy to love our family when everything's going right. And I know you're sitting back here right now and saying, my family's all right, everybody's all right. You don't know what your family's going through, and you may, not own, you may see the outside, but you may not know the inside. There's some things going on there, and even with our extended family, uh, brothers and sisters, parents, uncles, aunts, and cousins, and friends, you've got somebody, surely, that you are a little stressed over. That is, you're a little concerned over them. And therefore, you can not only pray regularly, number one, you got it down, but number two, uh, you can love them unconditionally. Boy, that's hard to do, isn't it? I said, that's hard to do, isn't it? I said, that's hard to do, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's easy to love them when they're doing what we want them to do, but when they're not doing what we want them to do, that's another story. But God, watch this, God unconditionally loves us. And I'm so glad of that, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. And you see, God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5, 8. And you see, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, John wrote this, that great letter, speaking of being in fellowship with God, 1 John chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. I encourage you to read it. It has great insight. It's inspired of God. Don't you want to be closer to the Lord? Well, you can tell if you're close to the Lord by if you're in fellowship with God or not. He's our Father. We've got to walk with Him. And how can we tell? I was getting around to telling about that love. 1 John 3, verse 1. Oh, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. It does not appear what He... It does not appear what we'll be, but we know when He shall appear. We'll be like Him, but we shall see Him as He is. I'm telling you this, 1 Peter 4, 7 says, love, 1 Peter 4, 8, excuse me, Peter wrote and said, love covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> Boy, that's a great word, isn't it? It doesn't say excuses it. It doesn't say it alibis it. It says there's something about the unconditional love of God. Now, I know it's easy to love people with the love of Christ because Romans 5, 5 says the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. But do you really, can you say you really love people? Faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love, agape love. There's no way I can love somebody outside the love of God. Right now, God's putting somebody on your heart. It might not be a family member. It might be somebody you work with. It might be a neighbor that you say, man, they're just hard to get along with. One. Pray for them regularly. Two, love them unconditionally. Three, talk with them wisely. Talk with them wisely. Yes, talk with them wisely. I love what Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. He said, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time the days are evil. Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Talk with our family wisely. If ever was a time we need wise counsel, it's now. 
The book of Proverbs chapter 11, uh, Solomon said, where there's a multitude of counsel, there's wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and abradeth not. James 1, 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 and 31, Paul said, But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made into us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, that according to as it is written, he that glory, let him glory in the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so talk with them wisely. Talk with them wisely. You say, but pastor, that's why I'm not talking with them. I, I'm not where I ought to be. Well, that's why you need to get where you ought to be today. That's why you need to let go of some of that excess baggage and come to Jesus and say, Lord, I know I'm saved, but I'm not in fellowship with you. And I confess every known sin, unknown sin. I break away from every doubtful habit. I, I want to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. Everyone that believe it to the Jew first and also the Greek. That's Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you going and telling? Are you? Well, we should pray for them regularly. Talk with them wisely. Love them unconditionally. And then watch this. I like this. Speak a blessing to them intentionally. I need somebody to help me there. Boy, I tell you, that resonates with me speaking a blessing to them intentionally. How many know that you've got to be intentional when you speak a blessing? And I'm not talking about flattery. I'm talking about speaking a blessing. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Oh, yes, the spoken blessing. I'll be honest with you. I miss my dad. I miss my dad. Oh, yes. He, he just something about it. He had that spoken blessing gift. He was just an encourager. Man, I tell you what, I missed that encouragement. Hey, look, blessed, a little stressed over your endless distress. What are you going to do about it? Purpose in your heart right now that you're going to pray for them regularly, that you're going to love them unconditionally, and you're going to speak to them wisely. And then four, you're going to speak a blessing intentionally, intentionally. Barnabas was such an encouragement. I love the book of Acts. You know Barnabas, you know son of consolation, he was full of the Holy Ghost, and he exhorted the people. Luke wrote in the book of Acts, he exhorted the people. He encouraged the people. Hey, look, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. Hey, man. By the way, speaking of stress, blessed with a little stress, one, two little children were talking in kindergarten. One said, you know, a meteorologist is all stressed out. And they said, what? He said, yeah, the job of a meteorologist is a lot of stress. The other one said, well, how do you know that? He said, because a meteorologist has to deal with high pressure. <laughs> the job is dealing with high pressure. You'll get it later, okay? A <laughs> merry heart, do good like medicine. Number two, hey, blessed but a little stress, not only over our family's distress, but now number two, Macaria's happy, fortunate. We're blessed. A little stress, though, over the certainty of death and the uncertainty of death. Turn to Revelation 14. Find Revelation 14. Now, as you look over in Revelation 14, you'll note that as John's writing this, as God the Father gives this to God the Son, God the, God the Son gives it to the angel, God the Holy Spirit first, and then the angel, and then John. And John is exiled because of persecution. And yet, uh, 
we read where there's a special blessing as we read the book of Revelation and keep the things which are written therein. The time is at hand. Over here in Revelation 14, we've looked at this text before. I could not help but to think, beloved, October 21st, 2004 was my mom's new birth. I prayed for her for 22 years. 22 years praying for my dear mom before she was finally saved. Hallelujah. Uh, usually in October, I get to thinking about that wonderful day when I said to my mom, Mom, I said, Mom, I want to see you in heaven. And uh, God, the Holy Spirit, came and convicted her. And God, the Holy Spirit, converted her in that uh, nursing home in Somerville, Perry, Georgia. I'll never forget that. As long as I live, and I had the privilege of preaching my mom's funeral two, hour, two years later, 2006, she passed away August the 30th. But you know what? Even the nurses said, there's something different about your mom. I said, Jesus makes the difference. Amen. Blessed, but a little stress over the uncertainty of death. Notice what John says right here. And I'll not have time to bring you up to date on all the context of Revelation 14. However, you've been here long enough to know that I believe personally, and I hope you do as well, the next event is that snatching away 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, I'm talking about could happen today. The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up. There's the word harpazo, where we get our word rapture, caught up together with them in the clouds. That's my dad, I was thinking about him this morning. He said, I guess I'm going to have to see the rapture from heaven. <laughs> I said, Daddy, I'll see you on the other side. We'll be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one of these words. That's also uh, mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15, mentioned as the twinkling of an eye, the mystery, the mysterion. And it's also mentioned, Jesus said it in John 14, in my Father's house of many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And by the way, John mentions this to the church of Philadelphia in the third chapter in the 10th verse of Revelation 3.10. Not only to Philadelphia, but to every church, including New Rocky Creek. He said, I will keep you, God said to the church of Philadelphia, Phileo Adelphos, brotherly love, I'll keep you from the hour of temptation or trial which shall come upon the whole world. And that was in reference to the tribulation. So my point is this. The rapture, then comes the Antichrist confirming the covenant as Daniel 9, 27 describes and then the unleashing of these judgments will immediately follow the rapture of the church named to the seven seals described in Revelation 6 and then the seven trumpets and then finally we'll see in a moment the seven vials or bowls. Now, I brought you up to context of where we're at in Revelation 14 rather than just grab a verse out and say this means this. In fact, in Revelation 14, you'll note that 144,000 Jews are supernaturally sealed by the Lord. By the way, they're male virgin Jews. And there's two witnesses, you recall, that will witness on the Temple Mount in the book of Revelation chapter 11. And there'll be a multitude saved, not only that, but Gentiles as we talked about last week. Those, and I believe, have never heard the gospel. And there's various uh, other opinion about that. However, I'll leave it at that. All I'm saying is this, Revelation 14, 13. Look at it, please. Here we go, Revelation 14 and verse 13. I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, here's that second blessed beatitude, or that makarios, that fortunate, 
happy, 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 fortunate are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. This is the word of the Lord. And all God's people said, I talked with Brother Julius Funderburk on Friday. Did you know his brother died? His brother died on, and, and got the message on Friday. You know what he told me? Brother Julius said, my brother is, I think he said 14 years younger than I am. 74, 75 years old. And Brother Julius said, it was a shock. Did you hear me? It was a shock. He said he went uh, to the restroom and then he came back in his bedroom, <laughs> fell on his bed, life snuffed out. Do you hear me? It was a shock. Not many people planned to die, right? But it's appointed and a man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. And so there's the uncertainty of death. You have a date with death. You realize that? On God's calendar has your name. If the Lord tarries, no wonder God says, prepare to meet thy God. Are you ready? Are you ready? You know what, beloved? I was thinking about the last 30 years and all the, really longer than that, 35 years, and Perry had the privilege of being with uh, probably about 36, 37 years, almost four 40 years, four decades of the privilege, and it is indeed a privilege to be with people at the moment they take their last breath. I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not, but I'll be honest with you. I never come away from seeing that, experiencing that, without God dealing with my heart about it. The certainty of death, the transitory of life, that is the reality, the uh, the finality, finality of life. i tell you what, what we do for the Lord, we better do it now. And, and what you want to tell your loved ones, you better tell them now. Because we're blessed, but I'm a little stressed. I'm a little stressed. I didn't expect my dad to die. He walked in the hospital. I got a text message from him. I talked with him on Father's Day. We never know. we got to be prepared. Jesus Christ defeated death. And if you're here today or listening, maybe you say, but I'm afraid of death. death where is your sting? 1 Corinthians 15. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Psalm 23, 4. And Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that lives and believes in me shall never die. That's standing on the outside of Lazarus' tomb in the book of John chapter 11, and namely verse 25. Yes, Jesus said, and John recorded the words as he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Behold, I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore and hold the keys to death and hell. I'm telling you, that's where our hope lies, that Christ died for our sins, was buried. On the third day, he rose again. You see, if we didn't believe in the resurrection, according to Paul, we'd be of all men most miserable. But oh, death is not the end. We, oh yes, death is not the end. Absent from the body, pressed with the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. And here, John says, blessed, happy, happy, happy. No wonder the psalmist David, I believe, said 
in Psalm 116, verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And the word precious there, as you recall, is the word valuable, costly, precious, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I'm blessed, we're blessed, but we're a little stressed because of the uncertainty of death. If you knew when you were going to die, I got a feeling it changed your life right now. If I knew I only had a few more hours to go, I might do something a little different. Or a few days, I might do something a little different. You remember Hezekiah, God came through Isaiah and said, Son, you better get your house in order. And Isaiah turned his face to the wall. It's recorded in the 38th chapter of the book of Isaiah. And God heard the cries of Hezekiah. He was evidently inflicted with balls or some kind of putrefying sores. And yet God extended his life 15 years. But we're not promised of tomorrow. No, we're not. So we're blessed, but we're a little stressed over the certainty of death. I saw, and let me just say this, two thoughts. Number one, that prompts me to, one, to prepare a testimony before death. Number two, to prepare a legacy after death. Did you get that? Prepare a testimony before death. Well, what do I mean testimony? You see, a testimony is what you really are. It's not what you claim to be, but it's not only what people see you are, but it's who God knows you are. That's your testimony. No wonder Paul said to Timothy, he said about Timothy, he has a good testimony. How many of y'all want a good testimony? Oh, a good name is rather be chosen than great riches, Proverbs 22 and verse 1. Yes, the just man walketh as in his integrity, his children should be blessed after him. Proverbs 20, verse 7. Now listen, that doesn't mean perfection, but it means a heart for God. As a deer pants after water at a brook. A deer, a deer. As a deer, as a deer pants after water at a brook, so my soul pants after thee, O God. That's Psalm 42, verse 1. And Paul said, I want to know him. Is that your prayer? I want to know him. I just don't want to know about him. I want to know him. Gnosko, that's experiential knowledge. I don't want to just have a bunch of facts and figures. I just want to have a bunch of information. I want a transformation, and the church said. I want to know him, Christ. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Not that I've already attained it, I've already become perfect. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward. I want to reach forward. Reaching forward, it lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, the Lord has a great plan for you and me. Do you believe that? I want to know him. No wonder David said in Psalm 27, 4, he said this, Wait on the Lord that I might know him and behold his beauty. Yes, Wait on the Lord, Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire or to meditate in his temple. Psalm 91, 1. It was, again, the psalmist that said, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 37, 4, delight thyself in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thy heart. 
Yes, the steps of a good man. That's Psalm 37, 4. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. And though he fall, he should not order to be cast down. The Lord upholds him with his hand. Yes, I'm a little, I'm blessed. We're blessed. And we've got to prepare for a testimony now and a legacy later. What are people going to say about you when you're gone? Gone, but not forgotten. Gone, but not forgotten. I was telling Brother Julius when I talked and prayed with him, I said, Brother, there sure have been a lot of people pass away lately, it seems to me. In fact, those of you that get the Monticello newspaper know you can't hardly now look at it every week. And there's three or four or five people. I don't remember a time when I've seen so many people have passed away. Maybe it's just me. Is it me or is it you? Have you noticed that? Life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little while and vanisheth away. James chapter 4 and verse 14 says, We're blessed, a little stressed over this world's in a mess. Turn to Revelation 16 and verse 15. We're blessed, but we're, I'm a little stressed over this world's mess. How many agree with me? Come on. I'm blessed, I'm happy, but I'm a little stressed over the mess. It's a mess, it's a mess. And nothing short of a divine intervention of a living God when Christ comes again, as he said he would in Matthew 24, 36. No man knows the hour, not the angels of heaven, but only the Father. He said it is the days of Noah, or so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. By the way, Luke says in Luke 17, that's Matthew 24, verse 36. Luke 17 says, In the days of Lot, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Luke 17, verse 28 following. And so we're living in those days. Know this, the last days, perilous times shall come. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Men shall be lovers of their own to self, covetous, bolsters, proud, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers, incontinent, fierce, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I'd say, we're living in those days, wouldn't you? I'd say, everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes, wouldn't you? That's according to the book of Kings. I'd say, there's a way that seems right in a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 16 and verse 25. So, blessed, but a little stressed over the world's mess. Notice what John says, and here is in the reference to the Seven vials being opening up. Chapter 16, verse 15. If you're there, say amen. Behold, I come, Urkamai. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed, happy, happy, happy. Fortunate. Macarius, happy. He that watch and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked. <laughs> I can't help but to think, a few years ago, I called the nursing home over at Westbury Nursing Home. Deanna had an aunt over in the nursing home. She was up in her 90s, best I can remember, probably 98, 99 years old. The Lord put her on a heart. I put her on my heart. And I called her one day. She answered the telephone. Hello? I said, hey, how you doing? She said, I'm just getting out of the bathtub and I'm soaking wet. I said, too much information, all right? <laughs> 98-year-old lady just got out of the bathtub soaking wet. Anyway, here Paul, not Paul, but John, he said, blessed is he that watches. 
Notice that word watch. He said, behold, I'll come as a thief. I'll come as a thief. You won't be expecting it. This is in the reference to the second coming of Christ. He said, blessed is he that watches. I love that word watch. means be on guard. It means uh, be ready. Gregario is the word. Watch, be ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you watching? Have you gotten so busy in the world like Lot's wife? Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. No wonder John said, love the, not the world, neither things in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of eyes, pride of life is not of God, it's of the world. The world's passing away from the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God shall abide forever. That's 1 John chapter 2, verses 15, 16, and 17. And greater is he is in us than he's in the world. Oh yeah, we got to live in the world, but, but we don't have to be of the world. Father, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17. And I'm glad that God can keep us from falling. Hallelujah. And Jude, verse 24 and 25, man to him that's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior. Be glory, honor, majesty, and power both man forevermore. You say, Pastor, I'm tempted though. I know we are. We all are. And Paul wrote to first that church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians 10, in reference to Israel going after idols and immorality. And then he said, verse 13 of chapter 10, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But we're with the temptation, make a way to escape. You might be able to bear it. Oh, praise the Lord. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted of evil. Neither did he tempt any man, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. James writes that, the half-brother of Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 13 through 15. Yes, we're all tempted. Yes, we got to live in this world. Yes. But I told a couple Riley's here this morning, her and Chandler, you remember on Tuesday night, we talked for an hour about spiritual warfare, didn't we? and about being clothed with the whole armor of God. We're in a battle, beloved. And as a Christian, we're to stay clothed with the whole armor of God. Hey, I'm about to finish now. Tell me, we need to be dressed, and we need to address this world's mess. Christ is the only one that can fix the problem. And I believe he's coming. Yes, he's coming. And I say, come, or either your will be done, and it will be done. Last, are you blessed? A little stress, even though Jesus gives us rest. Flip over to verse chapter 22. This is our last passage, and I'll be done in just a moment. Chapter 22, and look at verse 14. What we've done today is we've looked at this subject, blessed but a little stressed. And, and honestly today, we're, we've, uh, we're distressed, not only blessed and stressed, but we're a little distressed over some things in our life, our family, and the, the spiritual needs of our family and friends and neighborhood and community and our nation. And yet we're also a little stressed uh, over uh, the uncertainty of death, as we saw a moment ago. And then the world's mess. And finally, even though Jesus Christ gives us rest. Look over in chapter 22, verse 14. I love chapter 22. We'll come back to it. One other, and we've got this to go in our study through Revelation. But zero in on verse 14. Blessed, Macarius. Are they that do these commandments that they may have right to do what? To eat or to the tree of life. You know what blesses me to know there's going to be food in heaven. 
And there's the tree of life. You know, Jesus said that to the church of Ephesus. He that overcomes will I grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. That's Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. We see the tree of life introduced in the book of Genesis. And now, all of a sudden, it's introduced once again in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, and namely chapter 22. We see sin is introduced in the book of Genesis, and yet sin is eradicated in the book of Revelation, chapter 22. We see death comes because of sin. The soul that sinned shall surely die. The wages of sin is death. Oh, yes, if a man lives... Uh, if man dies, shall he live again? And so, but we find out death is defeated as well in Revelation chapter 22. And the serpent would be crossed here in Revelation 22, verse 14. As I get ready to close, I want you to think about the rest that God gives us. Tell me, are you resting in the Lord these days? Are you resting in the Lord these days? Are you really resting in the Lord these days? May I suggest, finally, stop focusing on stressed, how stressed you are. Remember how blessed you are, how blessed you are. I wonder today, right now, if you would stand to your feet as I get ready to pray, and as you think with me on this subject, God, I'm surely blessed beyond measure. And if you hadn't told the Lord you love him today, you need to. And if you hadn't surrendered every air of your life to him, you need to. If you hadn't been burdened to pray for your family and friends, you need to. And if you hadn't purpose in your heart that you'd speak wisely to them, you need to. If you hadn't maybe loved them unconditionally, we need to. And then speak a blessing intentionally, we need to. Right now, as I pray, I want you to pray as well. Those listening, pray as well. Father, oh God, we are blessed. And Lord, I, I was thinking earlier, Lord, when I complain or when I grumble about something which our Lord really have no reason to complain in the light of what you've done, in the light of what you're doing, and in the light of your goodness, I pray us as a church, New Rocky Creek Baptist Church, and other churches and other of your people, Father, will have an attitude of gratitude. You've been good. You'll fill us, Lord, today with thanksgiving and praise. You'll do work in my heart. Now, Lord, you know what uh, it needs to be done today, and we trust you to do it. And thank you for it, in Jesus' name.